we back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's UFC Podcast, episode 12. It's the breakdown, the Friday episode you've all been waiting for. Alistair Overeem going up against Augusto Sakai. Dom, how are we doing, brother? Doing great. It's the weekend. It's the weekend. It's time to get rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. The UFC is churning out the events, keeping us busy. They are. And it's time for another preview. You yeah. know how it be. I, I do know how it be. This is the end of week four now. Week four. Next week will be our one month. Our one month anniversary. Yeah. It's, Think about it. It's cute. It's wild. But overall, good week, though. So I mean, I guess technically it's not the end of the week, but... Been a good week, man. What about yourself? Good. You know, just working a lot, but um, happy to be able to take some time to get to the studio with Back you. Back the studio. Yeah, and focus on something that I really enjoy. Oh, yeah. That's not scrolls and yeah. compressors. It's, right, right. It's people punching each other in the face. Yes. We yes. love it. Yeah, we do. Woo! But before we get into the fights, <clears throat> it's time for the news. The news. We have more news this uh, episode. Quite a bit more, actually. More than the last episode. Yeah, for, for sure. sure, for sure. But uh, we're going to start, actually, with uh, Tuesday night. Dana White's contender series. You already know. Dom, you you know, you've kind of got the reputation now. You're the contender guy of the two of us, uh, which I hate to like. Tuesday nights are becoming my favorite I, yeah, night of the week. I, I hate that I'm becoming so bad at, like, catching these. But It's all right. It's all right. I, I want to hear your thoughts. First off, I just want to say Daniel D.C. Cormier is back in action after his loss to Stipe. He was on the commentary team. His first time ever doing the Contender Series. It was good to have him back on the booth. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really great commentator, and I'm I'm really excited to see like how this next chapter of his post-fight career kind of works out. And like him and Ariel Hawani changing up their podcasts and yeah. stuff. I think there's a lot of big things coming. Up I I really like DC as a yeah. commentator. I think he might be my favorite of the uh, like former fighters or current fighters that are also commentators. Right. Like, him and Michael Bisping are probably my two favorites, which I know saying Michael Bisping may not be the most popular choice. But Bisping's good. He is, but, like, I like them more than, I mean, you got Dominic Cruz, you got Paul Felder. Who's the other one? I feel like I'm missing one there. Like, former fighters? Yeah. That Dan like, Hardy's Dan one. Dan Hardy, okay, that's probably the other one. But overall, like, Daniel Cormier is probably the best. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Oh, Dominic Cruz. That's what I said. Oh, okay, sorry. I think I was, I, wait, I think I did. If not, if not, he that's who, but you probably did. Yeah. He's really good too. Yeah. So, anyways, um, but yeah, DC was back on the commentary. Uh, just a quick breakdown. Nothing too crazy. Uh, five fights. There were three contracts given out. Uh, so I'm not really going to touch on the first fight. Uh, it was a really good back and forth fight, but it was a decision. Uh, I will say the winner of that fight was Tucker Lutz. Uh, he did. Uh, he's ten and one now. I should say. So he's now on a 10-fight win streak. Started his professional career 0-1. He's won 10 in a row. Nice. Um, so look out for that guy. Uh, but again, no contract awarded there. Second fight of the night. This guy, I've never became such a fan of a fighter so quickly. I'm just going to say it. William Knight, light heavyweight fighter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was his second time on the Contender Series. His first fight on the Contender Series, he won in the third round after coming back from being down on the scorecards. So, they didn't award him a UFC contract, but they awarded him a developmental contract, 
which basically puts him on one of the regional circuits at the UFC monitors. So, like, he got to fight on Fight Pass. Okay. And he went 2-0 with that organization. That's what, like, LFA does, yeah. I think. Yeah, like, uh, for women, Invicta. Right. Those are kind of like the minor leagues yes. of the UFC, essentially. So he had a contract, but he didn't, you know what I mean, yeah. kind of deal. So they brought him back uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, he gets taken down early. He's, you know, trying to survive on the ground. Gets up and then lands elbows, as they mentioned on the broadcast is what they called him. So he's got his back up against the fence. Uh, Cody Brundage was trying to take him down. Um, so you're kind of picturing that, right? And he, so he's wrapped around William's waist. Williams brings the elbows. Boom! Boom! Why his head's Man. right there. Literally knocked him out cold. Uh, so it was a TKO in the first round, two minutes in. William Knight is 8-1, and one, all eight wins, KO-TKO. You know, I do want to just point out, um, when, I find that very interesting what you said about that was his second time, first yeah. time gets a developmental deal. In a lot of ways, this was a lot of pressure for him. Yeah. Even more than the average contender series uh, contestant. Because yeah. you know, a lot of times this is their first fight in the promotion. It's like, all right, I just got to go in there and at least win. And we'll go from there and hopefully get a contract. But this guy was already on there. Didn't get the con- Didn't re- They didn't go all the way with him. They were like, okay, we like you, but we don't <clears throat> think you're ready yet. Right. So now they bring him back on there, which to me says it's like, all right, sink or swim. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, he probably earned it. Like, he was still... Yeah, there's, like, those pros and cons. It's like, the UFC believes in you, but at the same time, if you blow this opportunity, you're probably not going to get it. I mean, think about it. You get the developmental deal. You go and fight twice, and I'm assuming it was LFA. I don't know if that's... I don't remember which one off the top of my head. But there's multiple. Yeah. You know, one of those. Um, He comes... So then they're like, all right, we're going to offer you another fight, but it's back on the contender series. There has to be a lot of pressure knowing that if you don't win, or if you... Just don't look great in the fight. Don't make a statement. Um, who's to say that they keep you on that developmental deal? Because it's like twice you didn't impress enough to be given that full roster spot. Right. Not many guys. I'm pretty sure there's only been one who's been on three times, right? Yeah, well. was that last well, week? Well, Jamie Pickett just recently okay, yeah. um, had that 22-punch combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was he was 0-2. He hadn't even won yeah. on the contender, which I, if I remember correctly. Which is so, so uncommon, but you're seeing it more and more of these guys that fight once on the contender series and then they get brought back to do the contender again. I think it really just shows that, like, because I think Dana White knows, like, not everybody's going to go out and perform to the best of their ability every night. So, like, you can see that this guy has all the potential in the world, but he might get knocked out. He might get caught in a submission. But, like, you know how skilled they are, so you want them to... Or you at least see the potential. Exactly. It could be anything. It could be his his character, his actual athleticism or something that he's doing really well whether it's jiu-jitsu or his boxing or his yes. kickboxing wrestling whatever um, but if he doesn't put it all together that night it's like okay I like that but we can't like have they ever awarded a full on contract to someone who's lost a fight I don't think so that's a good question I, you I, know, I I'm pretty sure to... last week that flyweight fight a lot of people wanted both guys to get a contract yeah. they still didn't yeah. give the guy who lost now not to say that they won't bring him back but in that moment, I don't think that's ever happened. And yeah. It, it would be a pretty – it had to be a pretty awesome fight for both guys. It would be like a – talking Forrest Griffin, yeah. Stephen Bonner it, type it, it performance. It would be. They're not just going to, like, hand out contracts. No. Um, before I move in on to the third fight, I do just want to say William Knight, like, post-fight interview with Laura Sanko and everything, one of the nicest 
most humble. He just seems like an awesome person. Like he literally became such a huge fan of him in 20 minutes. Like it was crazy. So William Knight, second fight of the night, light heavyweight. Be on the lookout for him. Uh, he won, got the contract. Third fight was Ronnie Lawrence versus jo- uh, Jose Johnson. Nothing too crazy here. Ronnie did get uh, the contract, even though it was a decision, which you don't see too often. But he dominated from start to finish against a guy that was a very skillful striker. This is that guy I mentioned to you. As an amateur, ha- went like 68 and 12. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Had four belts at four different weight classes. Yeah. That's just, like, mind-blowing That's to me. That's pretty wild. Um, but he got absolutely dominated by Ronnie Lawrence. Incredible wrestling, good control. Um, he promised, I think, or it might not have been him, but one of them promised to finish their next time out. Um, so Ronnie got a decision, or got the decision win and a contract. And then Jimmy the Brick Flick. <laughs> Buddy, I was, no, I was not impressed by anyone as much as I was with Jimmy the Brick. This guy is out of Oklahoma, a flyweight, again, a division that needs these stars. So just like last week, where we had those two guys going at it and they both arguably earned their contract, um, Jimmy is a submission specialist. He has 14 wins, or no, now he has 15 wins, 13 of those are by submission. In this fight, he had at least 10 submission attempts. And then he eventually finished it with an arm triangle in the third round. Jimmy Flick, flyweight, be on the lookout for that guy. I'm going to be honest, I'd love to see him fight the winner of last week's crazy flyweight fight as both of their, like, official debuts. Oh, that'd be pretty sick. That would be so cool. Um, So that was the last contract earned. And then there was a really good barn burner of a fight as the main event. Very back and forth. Um, I'm not really good with the names here, so I'm not going to attempt to do it. But I do just want to say, for the people that didn't get contracts and for a couple of the losers, Dana did mention that he wants to bring them back in November when they start the Contender Series again. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to mention that. But, yeah, three contracts earned. And, again, Tuesday nights, man, there's nothing better than Contender Series action. Yeah, which is – I talked it up pretty highly, and I'm very upset at myself that I just – it's hard, man. I'm, you know. Yeah. You get it. It's it's tough with the the work schedule right now to really make the time for it because a lot of times I'm asleep. Well, it's a time where you want to get sleep because you have to wake up so early. Yeah, so, like... so it's uh, it's tough to catch it right now. But I'm definitely a big fan of what they're doing with it, and yes. I think the fact that they're able to keep it going um, with everything going on right now, you have to really think about it, like. COVID happens, most of these smaller promotions aren't doing fights. No. They can't. And if they are, they're just now starting back Right. So, ultimately, this is going to basically force the UFC to really dig in and, like, take risk on guys who who maybe haven't shown, uh, like, fully what they're capable of yet. Or, like, it's more like taking a chance. So, when you have these guys that at least show something, whether it's in defeat or in victory, but it's not enough. Um, I think it's a very smart idea to keep bringing them back because I don't think it, um, you know, in a way it, like, kind of waters down that concept of, uh, like, the the most dangerous job interview yeah. type thing, most violent job interview where, you know, I always like the idea of it's, like, you get one shot. Yeah. But I also 
don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm some savage who just wants to see these right. guys only get one shot at the best chance of a life they're going to have. Oh, like, and I think they said something crazy. Um, I think over the course of the year, or at least the fall session, because they're doing like August, September, then they're starting it again in November. Yeah. There's going to be like a hundred fighters that get a chance. That's and crazy. I just think that's awesome, you know? Yeah, it's so cool, man. And especially now when all eyes are on the UFC more than yeah, ever, yeah. it's really great opportunity for these guys. Agreed. So any other final thoughts on the Contender Series? That's Contender Series, man. Again, mm-hmm. Tuesday nights, if you have ESPN+, Plus, tune in. Sure thing. And uh, moving on, our first, I guess, news story of the day. Oh, um, baby. Our main event, this one's a little sad. Our main event for next week. Yeah, you're. I know you don't like this. Tiago Santos, my boy, going up against Glover Teixeira. Unfortunately, Glover tested positive for COVID. Um, he's see, apparently he's 100% asymptomatic. Yeah. I'm assuming because of that, um, their fight's being moved to October 3rd now. At least they got it rebooked yeah. semi quickly. So not sure if that'll still be a five rounder or if that'll be moved to the co-main for uh, Holly Holm and Irene. That Montana. is a good question. It should be the main event, but but I wonder because they've been uh, Holly and Aldana, they've been training for five rounds. Yeah, I well Did they take that from. Them? I mean, Tiago and Glover have as well, but. <laughs> Ultimately, Tiago and Glover is the bigger fight. fight. The bigger fight. But yeah. I think Aldana and Holm, if Aldana wins, I think that's... Like, in a way, I think it's a title eliminator. Yeah, I mean, for Aldana and a Aldana division especially, that needs contenders. Yeah. Not that, like, look, Holly Holm's great and all. Uh, How many more title shots can she realistically get? I really get? can't watch her in another title fight and yeah. be, like, excited about it at yeah. this point. And... I really don't want to see her in the main event either. Yeah. I don't want to see a five-round fight that's probably going to go to a decision. Um, no offense to either woman in that fight. I mean, they're great. But I just think Santos and Teixeira is the more exciting fight on paper. It could end up being, hey, look, I could be completely wrong about both of those. Yeah. But all in all, point being, I'm very excited that this fight at least got rebooked, um, even though it sucks that I'm going to have to wait like three more weeks to get it. Uh, but that's what it is. It is what it is right now, right? You know, yeah. it's it's the world we live in. Exactly. Um, so they're making the best of, out of it and they're getting these guys rebooked ASAP. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, any, do you want to give your thoughts on that? Just, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, really. it's. I think it's going to be an incredible fight. So it's just a matter of when we get to see it. And we know yeah. it's October 3rd. Yeah. I, I am intrigued to see if they flip-flop main events. Yeah, I don't know if they will. So obviously we'll likely update you guys as we find that out but um still got a couple more weeks before that yeah. card uh the new main event i'm assuming for next week's card is michelle the karate hottie waterson yep, going up angela against hill. angela hill Ange- that angela should hill, be a fun fight it should be angela hill's basically the cowboy Cerrone of the women's division she's finally on a tear like that yeah. she's really needs for that recognition yeah and michelle's kind of struggling right now which michelle sucks. is struggling She's a big fan of her so she wanted to be the first uh mom mom champ t- mom champ uh but yeah overall it should be a good fight as both women are kind of in they're, they're going on different uh slopes yeah. in their careers right now so uh it should be fun either way but uh definitely disappointing to see that fight taken off but it is what it is we'll yep. still get to see it hopefully um, next up, though, big one here. Mm. And this is big. It's big, but also like. Nah. Nah. Brock Lesnar, the former 
UFC heavyweight champion, the former WWE superstar, former free- NFL Viking, <laughs> NFL player for the Vikings. I mean, he's uh, done it all. He's now a free agent. Yeah, and um, a lot of talks. I, yeah, I I don't know exactly where this conversation started, but basically, Brock Lesnar's been working for the WWE for the past basically since after UFC 200. Yeah. Because they kind of got him on that fight in, like, that weird period where he was, like, not... Well, he was a free agent again. He signed these, like... like, He was, like, under contract, but not with the... It was, like, a partnership almost deal thing. Uh, Basically, I think they brought him in just to kind of save that card because it had been decimated by people being stupid. (laughs) Um, But... I, I guess uh, what started this is they, they asked, uh, there was like an interview with Scott Coker, the Bellator president. Um, he's the Dana White of Bellator, yeah. essentially. Uh, they asked him about it, and he said that he would be interested in booking Brock versus Fedor Emelianenko, who, for those of you who don't know, is potentially, like if you go for all MMA, he's probably the best heavyweight in all of MMA history. Uh, he was a guy that made his biggest uh mark and pride a, a promotion i've talked about a few times yeah um, but he's never fought in ufc uh but there was always a lot of rumors about brock versus fedor because um they were both still at the top of each um, yeah promotion when brock was, brock champ. was champ um so that was what kind of brought this up and then they asked dana white what he thought about John Jones versus Brock Lesnar. He said All he saw was dollar sign. He said he'd be interested if both guys wanted to do it. Um, John Jones eventually ends up saying, Brock, I'd whoop your ass yeah, too. Yeah, he said, I'll with... beat your ass too. <laughs> that was so funny. So um, ultimately, I'm curious, Dom, what your thoughts are on these potential matchups and like realistically, what do you think is uh, going to happen here? Well, I don't want him back to do all that dumb shit again. Like, You're talking about like the post I just think it's all... Him. Stupid! Like, I'm not on the Brock Lesnar train mm-hmm. for the UFC. What if I told you I am intrigued to see him fight for Bellator and fight Fedor, though? What would you say? Why? And my answer to that is, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. So they're both, like, the same age. Are they really? Yeah. Brock's, like, 43 now. Bro. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're almost the same Bro, age. I'm so... that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brock's 43. Okay. And Fedor is probably around the same age. You'll have to check, uh, check Fedor. Brock is 43. Yeah, check Fedor for me real quick. Bro, I'm... I'm telling you. I'm just... How old is he? They're both 43. So listen, they're the same age. And to me, like, I don't... Again, the last time Brock was in the UFC, it was just a debacle. And it honestly made the UFC look terrible. Not that I'm saying he, I want him to come back to make Bellator look bad. I'm not saying that. Right. But like, if I'm talking like an actual fight that interests me more, I'm not interested in him fighting John Jones at all. Zero. Nilch. Nothing. Uh, but him versus Fedor, honestly, just seems fun. And for Brock, I could see him just being like, well, I've done the whole UFC thing. I've done WWE, I've done NFL, I've done collegiate wrestling. Let me go to Bellator and just try it out. Um, but yeah, honestly, I just hope he doesn't fight at all. And he just goes back to WWE. And Obviously, he's been a superstar there for 20 years now, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, overall, that fight's interesting to me for some reason. But I don't want him to fight at all. Yeah, I think it's um, all just 
uh, at the end of the day, clicks on articles, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I realistically don't see Brock fighting again. I'll, they set it up for him versus Daniel Cormier. Yeah, and don't Dana, get started on Dana that. Dana just later was like, yeah, Brock just didn't want to do it. I hated that moment. Absolutely I mean, hated it. You know, I made we made fun of it. I, I did the whole post-fight speech. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even, like, look... It was it was very scripted WWE type stuff. Yeah. My takeaway from it, I didn't think I thought Brock performed well <laughs> with his scripted material. Yeah. Um, but Dan, Daniel Cormier again running around like Wiley e. Coyote, dollar signs sticking out. Yeah. Like I'm just like dude. Which it would have been awesome for DC. And the just fact to get that the... and it was like upsetting because it's like our Stipe who had been the longest or the yeah it all happened after he got most knocked title out, defenses man. in heavyweight history and it felt like they were just sweeping him under the rug yeah that's what I think and, was annoying and I'm not sure what I wanted them to do like <laughs> ultimately he, he got knocked out they weren't gonna do a post fight interview yeah. with him so um, I don't know what I was hoping they would do there but I, I've softened up on it over time because it's just kind of funny now especially him like nearly breaking Joe Rogan's hand when he's yeah in the camera yeah. Um, realistically, I don't think this is going to happen. But uh, I'm surprised uh, about the Bellator one for you because <laughs> uh, the Fedor fight doesn't really interest me. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just because I'm a UFC guy. I know you are too. But um, maybe it's just because I'm not really, like... Maybe it's because I just think there's a zero, less than 0% chance yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah. Bellator, in my mind has nowhere near the amount of money to pay. They'd have to break the bank. To pay Brock Lesnar to fight? I don't think so. Yeah, but I just but want it to happen. I will say, I actually am somewhat interested in him versus John Jones. Really? And what makes me interested in it isn't that I think Brock has a chance. What makes you so interested in it? I still think that it'd be a good idea to give John one fight before... Oh, the title. Yeah, um, uh, Brad Okamoto and uh, Ariel were doing kind of mm-hmm. a back and forth on this yesterday, and they were kind of. Brett was basically like, "I have no interest in Brock fighting. The only thing that would interest me at all is John Jones. I have zero percent interest in anything else." And they kind of went with the same thing. So, like, if this were to happen, you get Stipe to fight in Ganu. Right. And John's warm-up fight, essentially, would be against Brock Lesnar at heavyweight. Which, that's a huge fight. Yeah, oh, it's a massive fight. I that's can't why, even... like, it kind of excites... Like, again, man, I'm a, I'm a fan at heart. Like, I know I'm a... Like, we're diehard fans, so, like, we don't... You know, just because a Connor fight gets announced, or a Nate Diaz, or a Jorge Masvidal, or a Brock Lesnar fight gets announced, it doesn't automatically just make us go, oh, we're definitely talking about that mm-hmm. card or or watching that card. You know, we'll watch any, any. it doesn't matter who's fighting. But, man, you know, I was talking about wanting John Jones to fight like a Curtis Blades or Derek Lewis or whatever um, because just, I don't know, I feel like that's something he would do. I feel like he wouldn't go straight for Stipe even though he's pretty much saying otherwise. Well, yeah, that'll segue. Us, but, um, I, I'm interested in the Brock fight. It's definitely like a sideshow. Like it's, yeah. It's kind of like just a... It's a money fight. It's a money fight, yeah. But I, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't interest me just because... Are there any what-ifs for you? Like what if? What if Brock were to 
win. <laughs> God, that would be nuts. Think about it. I mean, I, I don't – look, you know how I feel about John Jones going to heavyweight. Yeah. I think he's going to – Be the champ. Yeah. But, I mean, Brock at least, like – It would he, be an Brock is huge. Yeah, he's – yeah. Like – Steroids or not. Again, this guy's never been the most – he's never been a very skilled unless it was wrestling. He's an incredible wrestler. Yeah. Like, when we're, not, when we're not talking WWE wrestling, yeah, we're just like legit Division national one wrestler at yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Um, no, he's legit. Yeah, wrestler, but he's never been a good striker. He's never. I he's mean, he, he didn't have much time. Like he, he kind of just started and immediately yeah. was fighting UFC. When you're that strong, but I mean, you see how far he got with that limited skill set and just being. Well, it really athletic. makes you wonder. Like, what if he would have straight Cap- after the NFL went full on MMA? Imagine. Isn't that what he did? I mean, no. When did he do the NFL? I thought the NFL was after college wrestling. I mean, basically the point, regardless of when it happened, is imagine if he dedicated his Not craft yet. and skill I just, I to wanna, I want to make the timeline clear, though. He went to WWE, was gone by 2004, and that's when he went to do the Vikings, got cut. Last guy cut from their preseason team. Mm. So that was probably 05, 06. So I guess it was a couple more years before you would see him fight in MMA. But point being. Yeah. Imagine. If he had just went straight away. Like, think about that heavyweight division he would have been going into. Well, he could be the greatest heavyweight of all time. Think about it. Hot take. Anyway. Look, I'm just saying with that limited skill set he had. Incredible wrestling. Didn't really offer. I mean, yes, I know he's a powerful guy. But it's like he was... (laughs) You know, when people were throwing shots at him, you know, he he didn't have very good like defense. He, I guess he had like good he was he was able to kind of scramble out of like exchanges, but he never had very technical defense. Yeah. It was just like hands up, like please don't hit me kind yeah. of thing. It's just a guy who you could tell had not been working on striking that long. Yeah. And look at how far he got, you know. He was multiple time defending yeah. champion. He was a beast. Um so it excites me. It does. I, I mean, I know he's 43, and, like, again, he would be a heavy underdog, but the dude's still huge. Yeah, they literally released betting odds on both of those fights. I, I don't remember them, but he was actually favored against Fedor. He was favored against Fedor, yeah. which I uh, can't but, uh, say that surprises me. But all in all, it excites me because of how big he is, and he's still very athletic. I mean, he could definitely cause Jones some sort of problem. I don't think he would win. Yeah. But I'm just saying that it's uh, still. I think it would still add a lot of hype to a or give Jones some credit going into a potential title fight with Ngannou or Stipe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that'll segue us into more about John Jones. Um, he was being a very active little boy on Twitter. Yeah, he's really like hit or miss. Yeah, he literally at first he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna take time, get my body ready, blah blah blah." Then all of a sudden, a couple of days ago, he's like. This is why the fight with Stipe makes sense and yeah. why I should pass Ngannou. And he then told Brock he'd beat his ass as well. And I'll tell you what, man. You know, I sat here and told everybody that, like, the fight to make is Stipe Ngannou 2. Jones needs to either fight one time at heavyweight or he needs to wait. He's very convincing. <laughs> like, I was sitting there like... It's hard not to... When he was sitting there talking about it, I went, damn, like, I might be buying. I might actually be 
wanting to see that more now. Yeah. And here's where I was thinking about it. Stipe dominated Ngannou in their first fight. Yeah. Right? For five rounds. Like, put on a clinic on how to beat him. And Stipe did an Instagram Live uh, Q&A. Or not Instagram Live. Just a Q&A on Instagram. Putting on his story and stuff. And someone said, asked him about Ngannou or Jones. And he said he didn't really address Jones. He just said Ngannou, the Ngannou fight didn't interest him because right. he had already proven, like, dominated him, shown how to beat him. And said he wanted to do boxing. Um, uh, kind of weird. I don't want that. Stipe, don't do that. Yeah. Um, but, anyways. And I really thought about it. I'm like... Because I still think Ngannou has earned another title shot. Yeah. But... Based on what we've seen in his performances, is there anything that tells us it would go any different? I'm, I still get more nervous thinking about Stipe fighting Ngannou again than him fighting Jones. You're crazy. It's the fact that Ngannou has that one punch power. Stipe could lose both. Yeah. But, um... I'm serious, dude. Ngannou's so strong. No, I get what you're saying with Ngannou. Like, we know Jones isn't just going to come out, hit... Stipe with one right hand and knock him out. That just won't happen. But Ngannou has... What did did we say Ngannou has for hands? Cherry trees? Yeah, I don't know. Like... Sorry, we had an interruption on set. But, uh, yeah. Ngannou deserves it. I I feel bad for him if he didn't get it because he's, like, literally the nicest guy. Look, when I go back and watch the Rosenstruck fight... Oh, it's awful. It's so exciting watching it in the moment. But when you really Dude, if you watch at, it in slow-mo... Woo! Ngannou's punches... Again, I gave the comparison of, like, two kids who've never thrown punches <laughs> yeah. before fighting in the schoolyard. Yeah. It's crazy. No offense to him. The dude has literal trucks for hands. Yeah. But, again, like, I haven't seen anything out of him since that Stipe fight and then the Lewis fight after it that tells me that, like... He's like a better fighter now. I mean, he's a little leaner. Give him that. He's not. He doesn't have as much uh, weight on him as he did before. And again, well, with, and with like, that potential one strike, like all he has to do is hit Stipe clean one time, and exactly. Stipe might be done. Yeah. So in in that way, I like I get why. Like again, I'm still saying that I think that fight should happen first. But it was definitely John Jones was doing a pretty decent job convincing. Well, me. I mean, let me put did. it like this. I think whoever wins that fight with Stipe and Ngannou is a placeholder until Jones decides he wants to belt. Yeah. That's just how I see it. Did you see what a DC said about Stipe and Ngannou too? He said he thought Ngannou would win, didn't he? He said that if Stipe doesn't take a long layoff again before he fights and rest his chin, he will get knocked out again. So basically saying, like, Stipe can't just turn around in January or February and fight Ngannou because he said his chin won't be healed up. He said he took too much damage in the three fights with him. So I was like, huh, interesting. It definitely seems like DC's trying to give himself a lot of credit there, but yeah, a little bit. Um, but I no, I I maybe he's right. I mean, I well, his b- main argument was um, <clears throat> he took hard shots against Ngannou in January of 2018. Then fought me in July, and I hit him with one shot, and he went to sleep. That was kind of like his reasoning. So when I thought about it that way, I was like, hmm, you have a good point. Because if you look at the next two fights with DC, they were a year apart. And both times, Stipe was taking the same exact shot, 
and moving forward like he didn't even get hit. So he had a point, um, but at the same time, again, it's just like the power of Nganu. I don't think it matters how long you rest your chin. He hits you one time, and you're probably going to bed. So yeah, all in all, honestly, no matter which fight gets announced, no matter even hey, give me Nganu Lesnar. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Give me jo- I don't think the ring could hold those Give two. Give me Jones, Stipe, and Nganu Lesnar right now. <laughs> a two-fight main card pay-per-view. That's it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Like, honestly, like I, I, I don't think Brock Lesnar is going to fight again. Yeah. I don't. But, I mean, look, the guy, there's something motivating him. It's not just money. Like, oh, he, he could make money. money doing anything. Yeah. And he decided to go to MMA. Yeah. So... Does he really want his last memory in MMA being the Mark Hunt debacle yeah. of 200 where he, you know, it was the big excitement. Where the, remember, I remember watching that first ever card I watched live and they had the promo video and you he's see, back he's and like, he... can you see me now? Yeah. And it, I was like, holy shit. Like Brock and like they had, tr- like we hadn't heard anything about it. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. So, um, and then ultimately he test positive for PEDs before and after the yeah, fight. Yeah, and they let the fight go on anyway. So That's what anyway. Not a I don't want to get look, into it. Not a great look for UFC or and Brock Lesnar. But yeah. all in all, I would still be excited to watch him fight again. I, I just, you know, maybe it's the WWE kid in me. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, anything else for that? Brock Lesnar, I mean, at the end of the day, he's doing what he wants. People are talking about him, right? Yeah. So... He didn't even ask for it. He's a guy that does not do yeah, media. He he, that's how big his name is. Yeah. So. Literally, it was just he's not under contract with the WWE, and all of a sudden it's like matchmaking. Well, paradise. it's really one more thing, I guess, on him, and Ariel touched on this as well. He said it's smart on Brock. He purposely takes like these shorter contracts so he can become a free agent quicker and weigh all these options. And as soon as he's a free agent, look, within one day, Bellator, UFC, does he go back to WWE? There's podcasts about him. There's interviews about him. John Jones is talking about him. Like, if you're Brock, you're just sitting back like, yep. Sitting back on your ranch and yep. I don't know where he I think he lives in Minnesota Probably or does. something like that. But like, so. Sit yeah. back drinking his Coors Light. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Brock. That's the power of his name. Yeah. So. Uh, but moving on from there, we have two big uh, main events uh, to announce probably. I'll just say main events. Uh, first one, end of the year card. Yeah. Our Long boy, time coming. Kamaru Usman, the welterweight champion. The welterweight king. He's back, and he's going up against the guy he was supposed to fight on Fight Island, Mr. Yep. Number One Contender, Gilbert Burns. Uh, absolute tear right now, This Burns. is the fight for that division. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, love Jorge Masvidal. Was really excited for that fight. Ended up being a bit of a letdown as a fight, but... Really showed that Usman's just that damn good. Yeah. People make fun of him for the foot strikes. I get it. Like, the foot hey, stomps. I, hey, I get it. I get it. Like, I get it wasn't a very exciting fight. And it may not have really um, helped Usman as far as his, like, uh, Hey, like, his, the his, argument really is, like, he took that fight on six days' notice, too. Yeah. And he did what he had to do to win. He did. I mean, it's, again, he's a power grappler. Yeah. Going up against a powerful striker. Yeah. I don't think you want to stay. I think it's a smart idea to not just stand with He them. felt those kicks from Jorge, yeah. and he's like, nope, nope, nope. Clinch up, yeah. stop your feet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this fight is so interesting to this me. This is. This is a 
interesting I mean, you matchup. know my feelings about it. Gilbert Burns is about as well-rounded as they come. Well, he is known for his jiu-jitsu. Yeah, but he knocks people out. But yet, he's been knocking people out. <laughs> yeah. Damian Maya. His performance against Tyron Woodley. <sighs> nearly knocked him out. He put on a show on the feet and on the <laughs> ground. He, hot take. I think I might. I think I know what you might say, and I'm going to agree with it. He put on a better performance against Woodley than yep. Usman. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I agree. This I mean, a- I, I if, as far as like really show like okay, both guys dominated Woodley. Yeah, and the fact that Usman did it first and like really was like well, was shocking shocked because it, Woodley had been so dominant. Yeah, but when you really break down the fights, like Burns was showing a lot. In that if we're talking fight. on the feet, Burns. One million. I mean that that Usman Woodley show. fight was literally just. I mean Usman was just. Burns had Woodley him. hurt what two or three times. At that first round, especially, he nearly dropped him with the. Right I thought hand. it was going to end. And I was like, "Damn!" Because I really thought Woodley was good. I thought everybody was counting out Woodley. A bounce back fight. I thought yeah. he was really going to bounce back. I thought it was a smart fight to take. A guy who was surging a little bit, but didn't necessarily have. A, I didn't really think he had earned. It was that like him yet. taking on Darren Till again. That's yeah. In a way, it kind of felt like that. I felt like he maybe had, maybe Burns was being pushed a little too soon. Yeah. No. Nope. No. Not no. At he's all. the real deal, man. And um, right now, I'm being honest, and I don't want to spoil this for. Uh, it, my well, mind you've could been cha- saying this, my so. mind could change. I'm picking Gilbert Burns in this fight. It's a it's a fun matchup. Just yeah. because he at least offers something to the wrestling. Yeah. Well, and the jujitsu. That's what I'm saying. Like so, I'm yeah. saying, when Kamara goes for that, if he goes for the takedown, which he will, punch, he will get it. Like Burns has something. Yeah. Something that's very at the same level that Usman has in his wrestling. Yeah. It, and they okay, and then there's also the fact they were training partners for a long yep. time, and we've seen that kind of thing before, where when guys are training partners, they really get to learn a lot about each other. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, Usman knows a lot about Burns too from that. It's not just Burns learning Usman, but. Burns has seen what can hurt Usman. He's seen what can what what his weaknesses are. Sure, it's been a while since they've been training partners, but all in all, I think it's a very exciting main event on what's oh, yeah. stacking up to be a great card. The end well, of the this year. is now the December twelfth Burns Usman main event, mm-hmm. or I'm assuming, yeah, co-main Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's a third title fight. Yeah, they the, like to stack the end of the years, yeah. and if not, they're going to stack it with a great fights no matter what but there could be Mm -hmm. another title fight potentially Um, but all in all very excited Uh, give me some Weili Zhang action on there (coughs) Weili Zhang and Rose Namajunas give me a little something give me three title fights to end the year (laughs) anyway that fight's happening finally hopefully fingers crossed nothing happens yeah for sure and uh I don't want to say our last news story there was one thing I didn't put on the sheet but um we get our first main event announcement, potentially. It's in the works for our first card of 2021. I'm going to be honest with you real quick before you announce it. Mm-hmm. I know it maybe to – I know I mentioned this to you. To you, it didn't come out of left field as much. But to me, this – when I saw these tweets, I was like, huh? I, I just – I was shocked. Really? I probably shouldn't be as shocked as I am, but I'm yeah, not, it really yeah, caught I'm me not, off guard. I'm not very surprised, but UFC 257. I would assume, yeah, unless they do uh, two pay per views. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's looking like we're going to be getting the rematch 
for the BMF belt. Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, they're going to run it back. Dom, you just said, huh? Yeah. Tell the people why, huh? I don't need to see this fight. Mm. They're, listen, the Stockton boys 209, Diaz and Nick, they're they're great. Yeah, train by they, day, Joe yeah. Rogan podcast by night all day. They, they never have boring fights. But let's be real, and I think you can agree with me, that fight wasn't even competitive. Jorge was dominating him very badly. So I get Nate's, we all know what Nate said. When I don't agree with the stoppage. I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I wish the fight wouldn't have been stopped. That sucks. Because Nate Diaz has a lot of scar tissue and he bleeds bad all the time. We know that. So that part I didn't like. But like, Jorge was dominating that fight. Nate did say afterward that he felt him starting to gas. So he felt rounds four and five is where he was going to come on strong. Which but is, at the same time, I don't like that. Like, I know that's the most Nate Diaz thing. But, like, I don't like that thinking. Like, oh, so you're just going to wait for the dude to get tired. You were getting your ass kicked rounds one through three. But all of a sudden, you're going to dominate four and five. Like, I get it. And, again, I'm not trying to talk bad about the Diaz brothers. That's the last thing I'm trying to do. Because Nate's awesome. They'll pull up on you. I know. But I'm just like... Jorge dominated that fight. I think everybody knows that. Like, all the people I've been seeing talk on Twitter and the MMA community, they've all kind of said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Jorge was dominating that fight, so we don't need to see it again. But the ref took it away from us, so why don't we do it again and get a proper stoppage or a proper fight? So that part I agree with, re- running it back. So, you know, there's just two ends of the spectrum, in my opinion. I'm very excited for this I fight. just ranted. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very excited. That's definitely um, exciting, but I just feel like, feel like you're going same. back. No, I want you to stick to your guns here, Dom. I never said it's not an exciting fight, but I think it's going to be the same result. I mean, it probably will be, but... And it's going to make a lot of money. Here's so. here's my thing, man. That that fight was set up beautifully. You got oh, two awesome. guys that are just like, you know, they're, they're bigger than the sport at that point almost for Masvidal. You had the greatest knockout you'll ever see in the UFC. When Diaz had that call out where he said... Jorge Masvidal looked good in his last fight. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, yeah. a fight I didn't even think about. You see the poster. Yeah. It's got the, like. It had its own belt made, man. Yeah, and I, look, I, the worst part about that buildup was the, the, belt. The, the belt. I did not like the belt. But, you know what I did like about the belt? The Rock. The Rock. Was, yeah. Rock was presenting it. Now, let's be honest here. I know you're, Dom is a huge fanboy of The Rock. So I feel like he's going to get a little upset at me as saying this, but. It really doesn't make sense for The Rock to be involved. <laughs> like, yeah, you're talking I about think... the baddest motherfucker. Like, look, The Rock's a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. But it, never in his saying. career was he like. Yeah. Like, it would have made it would have made more sense for like Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> yeah. if you're talking about like the baddest motherfucker. Like, yeah, The yeah. Rock was always like he was electrifying. Yeah. Like the people. The showman. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was still badass to see him like. Yeah, that was so. Like cool. that. That I'll never forget that video. It was a quick clip the UFC put on Twitter. It was like the face-off, and you have The Rock with the belt. Yeah, and he's like, shit, dude. Yeah, dude. I was like, damn. But, and I, look, Masvidal dominated that fight. He did. He Like, I thought he was going to knock him out. I was surprised at how dominant That was. shin to the head. and <laughs> Bruh, Diaz just ate that for breakfast. But it... it <laughs> oh, it hurt him. Oh, it hurt him. Like, like, I thought that fight Any was... other dude, you're going to sleep. Yeah. That's crazy. And it was a shin to um, the face. What's I guess 
this fight of, was the only fight that the UFC has really built since the real early days where it was like they were pretty much set it up to be like you're gonna find out who can withstand the damage who yeah. can withstand it all to be the baddest motherfucker and it got stopped by the ref yeah that again that's like I at said. the time i remember just being like oh masvidal dominated i'm cool with it you know but you hear all the fans booing the Rock looks kind of sad. Well, you promote this fight as who's the baddest man, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and then a ref uh, the ref it. said, I am. Who's the ref for that, that fight? That Give New, him the belt. That New York City referee yeah, who man. probably never watched a card in his life was like, I'm the BMF. I wish I remembered who the ref was. No, not, or wait, sorry, not the ref, Dr. Stoppage. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, the doctor technically. Did I say, have I been saying ref stoppage? Yeah, we're kind of shitting on the ref. No, I didn't mean, the ref we're didn't not, do anything. Apologize. To the ref. No, the, the doctor. Ref, the, ref, the doctor stopped The it. doctor should have that belt in his office. Yeah. Sorry, I, I feel like I've been saying ref the whole oh, time. Oh, I feel so bad It now. was probably Herb Dean, too. Yeah, whoever the ref was, we're sorry. But I'm still excited for it because you have to think realistically here. So what was the matchup I wanted to see most from Masvidal? Don't say it. I am going to say it. Okay, good. Leon Edwards. Yes. So that was the fight to make in my eyes for Masvidal if you're talking like realistically rankings wise yes but don't Masvidal, the piece in the soda yeah man there's I mean, and there's history that. there's history there but look Leon Edwards I know. like Masvidal wasn't gonna get half the money for fighting Edwards that he would've got in a potential Diaz rematch it's just reality yeah. And Maz, if and nothing of, of Masvidal's quotes, even after the Asker knockout, have told me that he's all about the belt. I remember him one time. He just said he like, he's like, I just want to get paid right. Well, then after he lost to Usman, though, he's like, give me a full training camp and I want the belt again. I mean, a title you fight's always I mean? gonna get you money. You got to earn the title shot. I Nate Diaz ain't I... gonna get him a title shot. I mean, it might. Well, knowing. Some of the decisions they make sometimes, yeah, because money talks and names are important. But like, I, I feel, feel bad for Leon Edwards, dude. I don't because I feel like he's. I feel like I don't know if he would have won that fight. I think <laughs> it kind a, of opens him up to fight. Really, he's kind of like in the clear right now. I mean, is yeah. He I mean, he's not going to get a title fight, but he's so at, like, does he just fight? He'll probably fight. Maybe Eastman he, he might. He might fight the winner of Covington Woodley, or. Well, I actually I heard rumors about him versus uh, Wonder Boy. If I'm Leon, I'm not even accepting a fight unless it's a guy ahead of me or a title fight. He's on an eight-fight win streak. Yeah, um, just I just don't care about Leon Edwards that much. I mean, I like no. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I like the guy, but I'm not like like. There's not nothing. None of his performances have told me that like. Oh yeah, that dude's title challenger. He's good. He might even win the belt. He's that good. Yeah. But, again, he's beating these guys by, like, decision where it's not, like, it's kind of close. And, sure, like, that can maybe get you a title shot. But don't be upset, homie, if, like, you don't, if you get passed up by someone who's either knocking people out in five seconds or someone who's knocking out legends of the sport, dominating former champs, like, convincingly. Or whatever, like you know, go in there and put on a show. That's what's gonna earn you a shot. It's not just like, sure, if you if he just keeps on winning, he'll eventually get one. But that's the thing. He's just gonna have to keep on going. And that fight, fight with Wonder Boy Thompson would be huge for him. Yeah. 
And I'd be very excited for that. But, kind of just to bring it all back here, um, this Masvidal Diaz fight ultimately, like, it, it's not the uh, most realistic as far, or the best fight for rankings, but it makes a lot of sense considering where both these guys are in their careers, um, where they're at in the sport. They're both pretty much bigger than the sport at this point. So, I'm excited for it to match them up and to hopefully get a, a a fair a yeah, final yeah. ending to this. Um, now, if Diaz goes in there and wins, well, they're going to do a trilogy. Maybe you do a trilogy, and hopefully, the rocks there for both. But yeah, you know, it's I, I get I see I it get, on both. I ends. get your point. Like again, if they would have done Masvidal Edwards, I would have been pretty excited because it made a lot of sense. But he won't. It's just the money thing. He's not going to make the money. Well, and like, what fight's going to appeal more to the casual fan? That's what I mean. That's the same. It's the same thing. So that's money, what it is. Money fan. talks, popularity. I get it. I'm not saying like I'm not excited. Like, how can you not be excited for that fight? It's just like, eh. I'm surprised at how surprised you were because I felt like that was the fight that was going to be made. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, if for a while, won the for belt. a while, I thought it could have been the Connor fight, but then that's just not really ever shown. We'll yet. see what happens. I'd like to see who else they put on the card. <laughs> Assuming that's it has to be the main event, unless yeah. there's like a heavyweight title fight in front of it. That's like the only option. Yeah, I don't think so. so. I think it'll be the main event, and it should be probably. Apparently, January's the month where they just don't do title fights on the pay per view because <laughs> Connor Cowboy was this year, and Diaz and uh, Masvidal are going to be. 2021. So, again, fun fight, but I'm just saying, eh, half and half on it. Uh, Last news story. Not really news, but... Uh, I'm I'm salivating looking at that picture. Habib Nurmagomedov, the dominant lightweight champion, put a picture on his his Twitter account. uh, I believe that was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. um, Showing what is potentially looking like the five-fight main card for UFC 254. I don't know if this is true or not. It, it will be if that gets signed. Actually, I've been hearing rumors about that fight not happening. Really? Before. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> They're like, wait, what fight are you <laughs> yeah. guys talking about? But anyways, here, the five fight, it was... You got Habib Gaethje, Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier. <gasps> <clears throat> people, people with earphones in are freaking... Sorry. Sorry, I hope nobody. I hope nobody's parents walked in when I came on. <laughs> that was cringy. <laughs> Ugh, sorry, sorry. Zabit Magomed Sharipov versus Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, hold it together over there, all right? Robert the Reaper Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles versus Jared Cannonier. and last but not least, Islam Makachev versus. Raphael the only thing I would change about that card is flip flopping Cannoneer and Whitaker. Yeah, and I Zabit. just don't. I don't care. Like, just I, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Give me Habib and Gaethje first fight of the night. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what the order is. Just give them to. I me. said this yesterday in our group chat, and I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to leave it at this. I'm not even going to go any more in detail about it because, again, none of this is all officially confirmed. Mm-hmm. This is just a picture. If all five of these fights happen on that same card and the fights live up to the names of the people involved, top three pay-per-view of all time. I just yeah, dropped I my mind. See, I won't say, I mean, that's, come on. You're saying if all the fights live up to what they can be, obviously that would make it a top three, but that's kind of the point is a lot of times they don't live up to. Now, <laughs> on paper, though, 
This is stacked. For being a one title fight card, it's better than probably almost any three title fight cards you could put together right now. UFC 200 looks at that and wishes. <laughs> yeah. Wishes. Um, the fight I was talking about that may not be happening is I've been hearing some rumors on the uh, MMA Twitter that uh, Zabit and Yair Rodriguez may not be happening and Zabit might be getting the title shot outright. I'm fine with that. I am too, but I really hope this is the yeah, five, yeah. five main card. <laughs> I'm looking at this. Even if it's just four of the five, like, dude, sign me up. I would pay $100 to watch that. Even if it's just two of the five, those top two, come on now. I don't give me Ferguson Poirier Habib Gaethje two fight main card. That's it, sixty five bucks. Here's my money. <laughs> Just make the Ferguson Poirier five rounds to make up for the. Yeah, I mean, all in all, like, wow, what a what a card that'll be. I just wanted to make note of it because like it was making a. Well, lot yeah, I mean, of, Habib tweeted that, so it's kind yeah, of a, big a lot deal. of people were talking about it. So all yeah. in all, though, we'll talk more about that when the time comes. Hopefully that. That'll be a huge episode if we... Oh, uh, we might be here for four hours. Yeah. But uh, all in all... That's the news. That's the news. I do just want to point out one more thing before we get into the breakdown. By the way, be on the lookout for timestamps in the description because that was a long news segment. It was. Um, we said for Wednesday's episode we would announce our results today for our part one of our Versus series. I'm just going to make sure I didn't miss anything while we've been talking. Really quickly. Sorry, there's like empty air time, so I'm trying to fill it. So, um, again, we had our part one of our Versus series where Noah and I create our own pay-per-view cards and have uh, you guys vote on which one was better. Part one ended in a tie. A tie. So there is no outright winner for part one of our series, but I did just want to throw that out and let you guys know. So be on the lookout for episode two of that series yeah, some sometime point. in the future. Yeah. We're going to space them out because you can only make so many pay-per-views. Yeah, you got to let the divisions run their course a little bit yeah, before you so start talking about it. It'll be a fun series, but not one that happens, like, monthly. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for so, sure. I just wanted to throw that out there, but uh, it, yeah. it's preview time. It is preview time. I can't time. wait no longer. And we're talking about hashtag UFC Vegas 9. I'm telling you, we're going to lose gonna, count uh, at some point. just going to run down the card here, so our, uh, our main event... Heavyweight action, mm. Alistair Overeem mm. going up against Augusto Sakai. Light heavyweight action. Oh. The it, it's been rebooked. We oh. we talked about this fight before. Light heavyweight oh. action, Ovin Saint Prue going up against Alonzo Menafield. Then women women's bantamweight action, Sajara Eubanks going up against Carol Rosa. Welterweight action, Michael Pereira going up against Zalim Idameyev. Nice featherweight. Brian Kelleher versus Kevin Natividad. Nice. Lightweight action to open the card. Tiago Moises versus Jalen Turner. That's right. It's a six-fight main <laughs> card, I was about bitches. to say it. Six-fight main card, bitches. Whoa. They're, they're coming in. Whoa. After last week with that four fights, they said, here you go. Here's an extra one. Here's a little, a little cherry on top for y'all. And who's bitches? I'm bitches. <laughs> me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> Let's go, baby. So, so, Dom, Woo! first fight, lightweight action. Tiago Moises versus Jalen Turner. Tell the people, man. Break we it getting, down. Is it time for my nitty-gritty? Oh, yeah. Time Woo! for the breakdowns, the notepad. You know it's full. All righty. So, again, lightweight action to start the night. We've got Tiago. How did you say his last name? Moises. Moises. Um, we've got Tiago Moises. He's 13-4. and four. He's got three KO, TKOs, five submissions. That's eight out of his 13 wins have come via finish. 
and he is 3-2 and two in the UFC. Um, I want to say one of those three wins came from the Contender Series. So, again, you kind of know how I feel about that. I don't necessarily see it as a UFC win, but at the same time, you do. Yeah. So, I, I did want to mention that. Um, he has a notable win, actually, against Michael Johnson. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. It like, is. a guy that you want to have on your resume in terms of a big name. Um, and he submitted him with an Achilles lock. Yes. That makes me uh, pain. Just to say an Achilles lock. I can't even imagine. Look, Michael Johnson beat Dustin Poirier and Tony, Tony Ferguson. Ferguson. That was Tony Ferguson's last loss before his 12-fight win streak. Yeah. So. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Um, and then he has one notable loss, um, and that was against our boy Benil Dariush. And that was by decision. Yeah, it was. Um, so, yeah, that's Tiago. And then our boy Jalen the Tarantula. Is that what he's called? Yeah, I think so. Um, Jalen Turner is 9-5. and five. He's got 8 KOTKOs, 1 submission. You know what that means? He's a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine finishing rate. That's 100%. 100%. Um, and he is 3-2 and two in the UFC, also with one of those three wins from, you guessed it, the Contender Series. Um, and then he has a notable loss. No notable wins yet, in my opinion. You could disagree. But he does have a loss against Vicente Luque. I remember by that fight. KO. I remember that fight too. Yeah, Vicente is a freaking beast. <laughs> yeah, so is. that is definitely a notable loss. No slouch there for a loss. <sighs> that's my nitty gritty. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. That's why I like to kick it to you because you really come with the notes on like breaking down these guys' backgrounds. So then, um, ultimately, man, this fight uh, has a lot of potential. Definitely, I would oh, say. Oh yeah. Um, all in all, I think I'm going to go with Tiago here. Um, I think he's uh, – that Michael Johnson win, even though Michael Johnson seems to lose a lot. Yeah. Um, very impressive to me, and the fact that, like, you know, he did go to decision with Darius. You know, Jalen Turner, again, the Luke fight, like, he's he's fought some yeah, – I mean, that's a good guy right there. That's, that's a hard but, fight. Um, all in all, I think I'm going to go with Tiago, and I think I'm going to do it by submission – in the, uh, you know what, we'll just say first round. First round submission, huh? First round submission for Tiago Moises. Um, it just seems like he's, uh, he looked really good against Michael Johnson, man. I mean, Michael Johnson looked good, too. And then he kind of just got caught. Um, but that's, you know, Moises has shown, like, he's got a lot of submission finishes, man. Yeah. Jalen Turner's got to be on his game in order to avoid yeah. that. And uh, I just think that... Um, He's the more proven guy, and he'll get it done. I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum here. Okay. I'm going to go with Jalen Turner, first round KO TKO. It would a be the fact. first time he had been finished. It would be uh, Moise's first time being finished. Mm-hmm. All of his losses are by decision. Yep. You know what they say, Noah? First time for everything. I'm going. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably an underdog in this fight. I don't know the betting odds. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, I actually saw him fight on the Contender Series. Um, I think he's very skillful, very young into the game still. And when your first UFC fight following the Contender Series is against Vicente Luque, I think that means they have faith in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, he's you know he may be three and two in the UFC, but I think this is going to put him back on track, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good fight. I, I think, think so. even if it is just one round, I think it could be a barn burner. But uh, I'm going Jalen, the Tarantula, first round KOTK. Awesome. So then on to our second fight. I love this one. 
Go ahead. I really love it. Well, I'm, well you're big. Okay, okay. Do you usually announce them? You yeah, know yeah, okay. I'll yeah, let yeah. you do it. Okay. Second fight, Brian Kelleher going up against Kevin Natividad. Brian Kelleher, one of Dom's boys. Yeah, he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch, man. And he's fought a who's who of yes. that division. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Natividad, kind of a newcomer into the UFC. So uh, This is his debut, correct? If I'm, I'm not mistaken. He's coming I'm, from Let me LFA. make sure. Let me make sure because I've fucked up on this before. I know. It is his debut. Yeah, coming from LFA, he's right? He's coming from LFA. So another one of those uh, prospects, yep. guys who got sent to developmental. Um, but Dom, um, go ahead with the th- break. This is an interesting one. So this is at featherweight, 145 pounds. Kelleher is 21 and 11, eight KOTKOs, nine submissions. So that's 17 out of his 21 wins via finish. He's five and four in the UFC. Notable win, believe it or not, against Hennen Burrell. Yeah. Now this is not the same Hennen Burrell. Uh, that was at one point the best fighter in the world. Right. But that's a pretty big name to have on your resume oh, regardless. Agree. Yeah, sure. Um, and then Brian has some notable losses to Marlon Chito Vera. Uh, you guys might have heard about him because he kind of just, you know, stopped the Sugar Show. Yeah. Um, so that was a submission via armbar. He also lost to Lineker, John Lineker. I don't know why I just said his last name. Uh, he got KO'd in that fight. And then most recently, he had a. Very good three-round war with Cody Stamen, and mm-hmm. we kind of mentioned Cody a few times yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, that's a good. That was a great fight. Yeah, and Cody won that by decision. I think that was even at Fight Island, if I remember correctly. UFC 250, so that was the most. Oh, it before. was still okay. Yeah. Um. So that was his most recent loss, and well, then for. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and then for not to be dodged again, not anything in the UFC. This is his UFC debut, but he is nine and one. He's got five KO TKOs, one submission. He's riding a five-fight win streak, um, and again, he's debuting from the LFA. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact for you before we... Uh, another notable loss for Brian Kelleher. He actually lost to Jimmy Rivera in Bellator. Really? Back in 2013. There you go. Of course, by decision, the Jimmy Rivera special. Are we surprised? <laughs> no, no... Love no, you, Jimmy. Yeah, we're not. Your family's great people. Too. Yeah, we love your family. But we'd love to have dinner sometimes. <laughs> you know, Dom, I, I've been thinking about this fight quite a bit, and um, this is a big step for uh, not TV Dodd here to go up. This is a pretty strong welcome for a to UFC. UFC debut. You know, we just talked about a guy making his debut uh, last week. The forget uh, what that guy's. He went up against uh, Ricardo Lamas. What was his name? Algio. Yeah, Algio. And I, Bill Algeo. Yeah, and I thought that, uh, well, it technically wasn't a debut. He fought in a yeah. contender series, you know what I mean. Um, but something about this fight, I, I think uh, Natividad might get it done here. I, I was going to say the same. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised. Um, this would de- this is definitely like probably an underdog pick, I'm assuming. I think there's a reason why he's being given this high of an opponent early mm-hmm. on. Because really, Kelleher, I don't think he's ranked. But he's like... Cody Stamen was ranked is ranked like 10th or 11th yeah it's kind of like one of the dudes if you want to get really close to the top 15 and it was a great fight yeah so if he would have beat stamen he would be possibly a top well and keller had a huge knockout literally only a few weeks before he fought stamen that's smith versus Teixeira. yeah and now he's fighting again less than a month later yeah so keller was on a uh, riding a high when he fought Stamen, and that was a great fight. Yeah, I'm going not TV dot here by decision. That's the way I see it. I'm doing the same exact really? thing. Yep, I'm also yeah. going. I'm just not uh, TV dot. There's just something about him. Like his one loss, funny enough, 
was in nine seconds. <laughs> he oh. got knocked out in nine seconds. Uh, so I saw that, and that worried me a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, to uh, Glenn Baker, <laughs> so shout out. Shout out, Glenn Baker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but overall, uh, the rest of the rest of his career and what its trajectory is, he's coming from LFA, hasn't really had any other hiccups. You know, he's had had a few decisions more recently, but he's also been getting a lot of TKO and KO. Yeah, finishes. I mean, six out of his nine wins are. So I could I could very much see this it. being a KO either way, but. Um, I just, I, I think this Nativi Dodd might be a guy that the UFC is really ready to bust out onto the scene. And what a time to do it against a guy that always comes ready to perform. And I actually think this will be the fight of the night. Dude! Is that what you were going to say? Literally was about to say that. <laughs> yeah. But you're, yeah. we are on the same page with this fight. I think yeah. this is a three-round slugfest. I think so, Kelleher too. brings it. Kelleher's going to bring it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think uh, old Quicksand, as they call him, Kevin Nativi Dodd. I think he might just be a little too, a little too young, a little too fast, maybe. Yeah. Um, should be very exciting, though, as is what Brian Keller yeah. brings. Yeah. So on to our third fight. Expect backflips, and cartwheels, and <laughs> full tucks, and all that <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> Michael Pereira going up against Zalim Idamave. Nice. Go ahead. Still ten out of ten. I. I think you're just saying that because... Let me be your hype, man. Yeah, I, Leave it at that. All right, continue. <laughs> so, uh, Michael Piera. Oh, did I do that again? <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> no, not good? No, I mean, it was okay. <laughs> just funny. <laughs> I'm just going to go Michael. Uh, this man is 23 and 11, a true veteran. He has 10 KO TKOs, 6 submissions, but he is 1 and 2 in the UFC. Now, his notable loss is against Diego Sanchez... Technically, but in that fight, Michael was dominating, beating Diego up yep. badly. Yep. Unfortunately, he gets disqualified because of illegal knees to the head of a downed opponent. Diego gets the win. So he, although he should be two and one with a notable win, he's one and two with a notable loss. Um, and then Zalim, is that how you say it? Um, he's eight and two. All eight of his wins are by KOTKO. That's always exciting when you have a guy with a 100% finish rate. However, both of his losses are in the UFC. He's 0-2 in the UFC on a two-fight losing streak. If we're talking momentum, it's definitely leaning toward Michael in this one. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. Um, I'm a little surprised about this matchup. Yeah. I mean, I know Pereira's coming off back-to-back losses technically um and so is Zaleem but Zaleem's only fought twice in the UFC Pereira's fought three t- I mean I guess technically it's yeah, been three yeah. times but you know what I mean it's like he just seems like he's proven it more you know you talk he, about an exciting dude to watch it's it's uh Michael. yeah I um hmm. he's like a welterweight Johnny Walker but more um crazy yeah this dude literally did a standing flip onto a person in the middle of the octagon. Yeah, it was Jumped crazy. up and basically kicked him because he fell on him. I, know I don't even know how to explain it. I know what you mean, though. Like, it's like hard this to dude's crazy, bro. All in all, I'm going Pereira, and I think he might even finish him here. This might be Zaleem's... Uh, Send-off? Yeah, he's going to knock him out of the UFC. And the, let's say, let's go with the second round knockout. 
You were going to say the same thing, weren't you? Yeah. What the heck's going on <laughs> here? We did not talk about this This before. has got to be the first time this has ever happened. Well, the first fight we flipped, we were different on. Well, but we've had two back-to-back, back-to-back same back. prediction, same yeah. how they're going to do it. and what. It, It's tough to say. I mean, Zaleem has two losses in the UFC. He lost a decision, and then he lost by punches in the second KO in the second round. Um, I will man, say... Part of me thinks like he knows that this is his last shot. Yeah. So maybe we'll see a better version of him, but... Pereira's got to be pissed about that. Oh, Diego yeah, he's, Sanchez he's probably got a big chip on his shoulder. And for Zaleem, like you said, a guy that's 0-2, he kind of needs a win. Yeah. That whole having eight wins and all of them by finish, that intrigues me, but not enough to give him the dub. So I'm also mm-hmm. going Michael with a second-round KOTK. I think he'll show, his, he'll show flashes, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. But ultimately it won't be enough to keep him under the UFC, unfortunately. Uh, so then our uh, fourth fight. Not the co-main, though. Told you, nope. six fights. Oh, yeah. Women's Bantamweight action. Number 15 ranked Sajara Eubanks going up against Carol Rosa. Dom, I know uh, you have a little something for the people on Rosa. You're big on her, so yeah. go ahead and talk about it. I'm already regretting saying it, but I'm still going to do it anyway. Uh, so Sajara is 6-4. and four. She has two KOTKOs. She's 3-2 and two in the UFC. Uh, she has notable uh, wins, I should say, against Lauren Murphy, who... If you guys know, she's a ranked opponent, typically kind of like almost a gatekeeper, I guess you would call her. I don't know if she's even ranked now, uh, but she's beaten her by decision, and she also has beaten Roxanne Matafiri by a decision. You were talking about Lauren Murphy. Yes. She's number four ranked flyweight. There you go. <laughs> you said she might even not even be ranked now. <laughs> yeah. number four. I knew she's been ranked in the past. That's. I mean, I had to look because yeah. I wasn't for sure. Um. But, yeah, and then Roxanne, I mean – Literally, if you want to talk about pioneers of MMA, mm-hmm. she, or for women's MMA, I should say, she's one of them. And although she's she not is. been in the UFC, you know, since 2013, when the women came into the UFC, she's been paving the way for women's mixed martial arts for years and has over 40 fights, if I'm not mistaken, which mm-hmm. is crazy for women's MMA. Um, so she has beaten her by decision as well. And then for, as a notable loss, she's lost to Aspen Ladd not once but twice. But only once in the UFC, so I'll give her some slack there. That was by a decision. And then she lost to Betch Kohea, who just got cut recently by the UFC. That was also by a decision. Now, Carol Rosa. Up-and-comer, 13-3. and three. She's got four KO TKOs, two submissions. She's undefeated in the UFC at 2-0. Now, none of those are notable, so I have no names to... Announce. However, she's on a four-fight win streak and has won five of her last six. When Noah came over to the studio today, I said a very bold, hot take that I'm a little iffy on now, but I'm still going to do it because I'm sticking to my guns. At one, at some point in the future. Now, is it the near future? Probably not because there's a woman named Amanda Nunes as the champ. Right. But I believe that... Carol Rosa could potentially become the bantamweight champ at some point oh, down the see, line. See, now Dom's going back on it a little bit. This well, man, when I walked into the studio, this man had the gall to say Carol Rosa is the future bantamweight women's champion. I just said the same thing. No, you said she has the potential okay, to be. Okay, she will be. Call your shot. Uh, Babe Ruth sh- that shit. Carol Rosa will be a future women's bantamweight champion in the UFC. You're fucking nuts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
no, you I, were waiting on that. No, I, yeah, I was. I was waiting for you to commit. You saw the fastball coming right <laughs> down the, the lane, and you just hit a home run. But you just called your shot. You Babe Ruthed it right there. Yeah, and you Babe Ruthed me. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, were you, did you want to continue with the no, That's the nitty-gritty, yeah. Uh, fun fact with Carol Rosa, um, one of her first professional fights back in 2014 was a decision win over Jessica Andrade. And, uh, We're pretty high on her, don't you think? Yeah, some promotion. <laughs> um, overall, with this fight, man, uh, I'm actually kind of, I'm actually a little. It's You're about like, to go underdog. No, I don't know though. It's uh, it's actually kind of a tough fight for me to predict. I, I thought Eubanks looked good in her last fight against uh, Sarah Maras. Mm-hmm. That was on the Anthony Smith Glover to share a card. Um, I can't say I know a ton about Carol Rosa. I mean, I remember her fight on Fight Island, but she's well rounded. She is. Is Sajara like a wrestler style? I feel like. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But a brawler, like she can throw hands, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. She kind of reminds me of uh, who's the woman that just got the huge upset against Agapova? Oh, uh, Shayna. Shayna. Yeah, I feel like they're sort of similar. To me, like Maybe that's why styles. I'm leaning towards. Oh. I'm gonna go with Eubanks by decision here. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna flip flop from you. So we went two for two, yeah. two in a row for yeah. the first time. I, I had a feeling. This but uh, I'm going Carol Rosa. Uh, I'm gonna go a third round submission, just to be a little, be a little iffy with it. Be, be a little, little, you know. I already yeah. went off and said she's gonna be the champ. Be a, little, well a little, be a little cheeky with yeah, it. Yeah, a little spontaneous. Yeah, sure. And if she loses and ultimately never becomes champ, then I'm gonna look like a dumbass. But. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm not saying she still can't do that. I just think uh, Sajara might be slightly underrated to the casual view. I mean, five yeah. and four. Don't get me wrong; like, not a great record. But uh, that woman was looking like the. She might have been the first flyweight champion had she not uh, missed weight, I believe. Yeah, against Nika. Yeah, because then that Montefiore had to step in. And yeah, the ultimate fighter. fighter. Yeah, yeah, so um, overall, Sajara could have been the first flyweight champion over Nico. And, well, uh, how many fights has she had at bantamweight since she moved up? Do you know? She teams? literally is one and two. She's one and two as a bantamweight, so her... Well, in, a, in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the UFC at flyweight, she was actually two and oh, and then chose to go up. Because she beat Lauren yeah. Murphy, and yeah. so that's kind of surprising. I'm assuming it's just. A I mean, that Montefiore fight, she did miss weight. She did so miss weight in that fight. She missed weight okay. by two by two pounds. Well, that would make sense. I was um, going to say it's probably just a tough weight. She's cut, one so. and two at uh, bantam weight, but those losses are those are no joke. Betch, Betch Correa and Aspen Ladd. Another future champ, in my opinion, Aspen, Aspen Ladd. Ladd. She's a beast. So uh, her last fight, though, she did look good, I thought. And um, I think it might just be one of those grinded-out decision victories for her. Maybe not the most exciting fight, but um, I think it's definitely it's kind of a make-it-or-break-it for Eubanks here. This is definitely the time for her to really, if she really wants to be a contender and not a pretender, Yeah, this is a fight to make a statement. And this is a fight where I think the UFC, they did a, they've been doing videos on their YouTube with, like, yeah, fighters you should know about on these fight nights, with it, which I think is really cool because there's so many fight nights now and there's so many people fighting. Um, and Carol was one of the three mentioned, so it leads me to believe like, okay, they're high on this girl, just like Agapova was in the last video they did, and we saw what happened to her. Yeah. So again, this could be a very similar situation to Agreed. what we just saw. Agreed. Uh, moving on to our co-main event i'm most excited for this fight i i'm very excited for it because we and we've already talked about we've it. already broke it down so we're not gonna do it no i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean 
I'm going to stay pretty light on this one. Yeah, I'm I've, sticking to my same exact prediction. Uh, light heavyweight action open St. Peru going up against Alonzo Menafield. If you want to break it down again, you can. I mean, it's up to you. I'll, go, I'll do a quick nitty-gritty, yeah, sure. just in case they didn't hear. If you want to hear our full thoughts, it was on the... Um, it would have been, been Edgar Munoz. Yeah, right. Edgar Munoz. So two fight nights ago. Yeah, so if you really want to hear our full thoughts on uh, this fight, uh, go watch the preview for that card. Yeah. Uh, should be towards the end. It was the co-main on that one, I right. believe, as well. Uh, so just feel free to go back there if you want to hear, like, break, complete breakdown. But we'll give uh, a hyphened version yeah, of it here. Yeah, just quick overviews for both. So Alonzo's 3-1 and one in the UFC. He's 9-1 and one overall. All nine of his wins by finish. Mm-hmm. which I think is going to come into my decision because I'm not changing my decision. OSP, on the other hand, uh, has finished 19 out of his 24 wins. He's 24-11 and 11 overall, 11 KO TKOs, and 8 submissions. Um, and this is OSP's first fight back at 205 after that kind of rough outing at heavyweight. Yeah, which I want to mention again. Yeah. I really enjoyed that fight. Yeah. I think it's underrated. I think a lot of people shed on that fight because, yeah, OSP – gassed pretty quickly yeah he did but man he looked good at times and i'm kind of upset that he didn't stick with it but maybe it was just too much weight for him to carry around yeah, he's a big dude he is but... i mean he played college football I yeah believe. and um he was going up against ben rothwell who's a veteran of veteran, the heavyweight yeah. division not a not an easy opponent at all for him and uh rothwell just really he's really good at grinding out those victories yeah, that's like exactly just staying did. up in your face and like OSP hit him with some shots, man, but ultimately he did. Like, it wasn't the most, it wasn't the best performance for him. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense. Um, I'm sticking with my prediction, OSP, first-round submission. I did say that I'm impressed by Menafield, and I think it's going to be a situation where he'll legit possibly drop OSP. Yeah. And then something, and then maybe it's dives into the guard, and somehow OSP is able to kind of flip it. Or that damn some bon sort of choke. It man, I'm not I'm not gonna guess the Von Flu choke because that's uh that's a risky that's a risky bet right there. But if there's one guy who will do it, it's obviously OSP for sure. But I just think he'll somehow get slipped into a choke. Maybe it's just the youth of him, just thinking he's about to finish this veteran, a guy that's gonna make a statement. But um, I just have a good feeling about OSP in this one. Could be completely wrong, but that's uh, the way it goes in the fight game. So that's what I'm sticking with. Now, if I remember correctly. I had Minifield by first round yeah, KOTK. Because we ultimately said, like, really, we're kind of predicting the same yeah. trajectory for the fight. It's just you think he's going to finish it. Yeah, so I'm completely changing my stance on that. No, I'm just kidding. Alonzo <laughs> Minifield, first round KOTK. This dude has got power in his hands. Yeah. And as much as I love OSP, a veteran, always fighting, always putting on performances. I think Alonzo puts his name on the map. With yeah, this OSP has shown um, some instances of having a weaker chin, not having the most uh, granite of chin, I yeah. should say. Um, he's been knocked out. He's got out. a lot of fights, man. Yeah, he's been knocked out, so going up against a guy with some big power uh, show, you know, shows a potential risk. Um, I don't know, I just have a good feeling about him, but yeah, did you want to say anything else? or? I am the most excited for this fight out of all six. I am too. I'm not predicting yeah. it to be a fight of the night, but it yeah. is one that's most exciting to me. And then, our the main event of the evening. The big boys. The heavyweights. Woo! Alistair Overeem going up against Augusto Sakai. Break it down. This is a lot. 
Oh, is it? Yeah. So, uh, if you guys don't know, Alistair Overeem is kind of a big deal in the world of mixed martial arts. Yes, he is. The Ageless Wonder. Yes. Pride, K1, you name it, he's done it, and he's fought the who's who of all heavyweights. Strike force, like... He is 46 and 18. That's 64 pro fights. He's... That's insane. Besides Alexi Olenek, that's a big outlier. But, like, 46 and 18... Again, I'm only going to go through his notable wins and losses for the UFC, but if you want to really get into this dude's career, he's got wins against everybody from every sort of organization. Mm-hmm. He has 24 KOTKOs, Noah. Mm-hmm. 24. You know what shocked me more? What? He has 17 submission wins. 41 out of 46 wins via finish. That's insane. But... <laughs> He's only 11-7 and seven in the UFC. Uh, made his debut in the UFC in 2011. You know who that was against? Who was? <laughs> Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? Yeah, and he kicked the shit out of that man's <laughs> injured tummy. That, yeah, dude, that was brutal. Uh, so notable wins, again, Brock Lesnar, TKO, Frank Muir, unanimous decision, Stefan Struve, KO, Roy Nelson, decision, Junior Dos Santos, TKO, Arlovsky, TKO, Mark Hunt, Knockout. Fabricio uh, Verdum, majority decision, but nevertheless still a huge win. Alexi Olenek, TKO. And most recently, uh, Walt Harris made his return after a layoff. TKO'd him. Yeah. That's his notable wins. Now, I do just want to point out <laughs> some got, losses. He does have some notable losses. He's got some notable ones. Bigfoot Silva got KO'd by him. Yeah, yes, Travis yeah. Brown, KO. Ben Rothwell, TKO. Oh, that guy named Stipe Miocic, kind of a big deal. We saw that one in we person. We saw that one in person, KO. KO. Francis Ngannou, well. <laughs> Night-night. Yeah, see ya. Curtis Blades. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Those, okay, that back-to-back right there, uh. not a great time to be an Overeem. His skull hurt. Listen, man. Hold on. I just, we, we, His head's getting dribbled off. No, of the... no listen, man. Listen. This and, is... bruh. That Francis Ngannou knockout, you ever seen a big man fly? Because his body went, and then landed on the ground. My man's toes curled up. (laughs) My man was stiff as a board. Have y'all ever seen Ed, Ed, and Eddie? (laughs) My man was cosplaying as Plank. (laughs) And then he goes, all right, I've taken a few months off. I'm ready to come back. Then he had his skull split open. By Curtis Razor blades. It was a TV mature audience moment. We've talked about this in for my ways. for my Mortal Kombat fans. Kids, a, if you're listening, a, plug your ears. There's a guy in that. There's a guy in the game named Baraka, who's got blades that come out of his like his his forearms. Curtis Blades hit him with the Baraka special. Hey, what's Curtis's nickname? Razor. Yeah, Razor Blades. Well, he cut him. He cut. Let's him. just say that. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then one other notable loss for our guy, uh, Rosenstrike, also <laughs> put him to sleep. <laughs> then he got right back up, but still. That but knockout was so insane because it he, he, Overeen's lip was split two different ways. It looked like it looked someone, like, it looked like someone who had just gotten hit by like a gust of wind from a tornado. And then his <laughs> lip was just like off. It just sounds like we just shit on Overeem. My man's lip looked like the 
fucking like the zipper was undone on his jeans or something. <laughs> Listen, Alistair Overeem is a legend. He's a We're legend. not taking it away from him. But, but boy. my <laughs> god, he has been through the ringer, man. Now, he has been there now, and done I, that. I do want to just say before you talk about Sakai. That Rosenstrike fight, he was winning. Yes, yeah. The, the knockout comes, fight's officially called, four seconds And, and a lot of people have issue with that stoppage again. I didn't watch it live, so I'm I, not kind of... I'm not going to argue it because I... He got... My boom. man's lip. Like, I was like, oh, kid, you Well, forgot. his body flew back I'm into like, the cage, Yeah, I'm like, man. kid, you forgot to zip up your jeans after you used the bathroom. It's like, oh, wait, no, that's just a man's lip. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Just just open. Hey, shout out to his lip for being able to heal quickly, though. Twelve days later, just looked yeah. like nothing happened. Yeah. Crazy. Anyways, Augusto Sakai. Augusto Sakai is kind of the definition of an up-and-comer, especially for the heavyweight division, because I feel like we don't see that very often for whatever reason. Uh, he's 15-1-1. He's got 11 KO TKOs. He's 4-0 in the UFC, one of those coming from the Contender Series Brazil version. Um, so, again, he's technically 3-0, but, again, I'll throw the 4-0 in there. Um, notable wins against your boy, Andre Arlovsky. He's actually 4-0 outside of the contender series. Well, there you go. So, technically 5-0 if yeah. you want to get into it. Um, he beat your boy, Arlovsky. I know you feel boy. iffy on that. Yeah. Uh, that was a split decision. He did knock out uh, Marcin Ty- Ty- That's definitely Tybura. His, Tybura. That's definitely his most impressive win. Yeah. And then he just had another split decision against Blagoy Ivanov. Um, he has six first-round finishes, and he is riding a six-fight win streak. He's a guy who comes from Bellator as well. But, uh... Only lost to Chet Congo. I think in an episode last week I mentioned this could be like a passing of the torch type fight. I'm completely reverting on that statement. I, I have went back and watched his fights just to kind of get prepared for this week's preview. I'm not impressed at all. I think... Again, I know you're going to get into this a little more, but I'm just going to do my prediction right now. Yeah. I think Overeem's putting him to sleep in round one. K-O-T-K-O. So, the thing with Sakai is the Tibera fight, he looked great. Yes. 59 seconds. Looked really good with a Muay Thai clinch, knees, elbows. Chase Sherman looked really good in that fight. His contender series fight, he also looked really good again. Yeah, with I the watched Mo- that. The one. Muay Thai, the knees. Yes, he is like he just the pressure was just intense. He like, does have very good pressure. Um, but he is going up against just a guy who. When you think of a veteran, no matter how many times he gets knocked out, you will see like Overeem style has adapted. He is a man who has adapted to the times over the yeah, years. Yeah, he has, and really knows like how to fight. A, like he. The way he fights in 2020 is not the same that it was in 2003. Yeah. You know, he has adapted. Sure, his he body fights a lot smarter. His body is still the same body that went through his fight, so his chin isn't the same. Or, yeah, I mean, it's never... I, yeah. In the UFC, it's always been suspect. But that's the way heavyweight goes, usually. Um, that Walt Harris fight, though, he took he did take a beating in that first round and came back and won yeah. uh, convincingly, I might add. Um, I'm also going over him here. I mean, I was going to go by decision. Changing your mind? I don't know, because he's only got five decision wins. That's what's like. 
Dude, Man. 41 out of 46 by finish. And Sakai brings the pressure. I'm. I think he. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over him by decision. I am envisioning that Sakai pressuring in. Yeah. But Overeem's not just gonna let him manhandle him. He's too experienced. I think Overeem lands a big shot on Sakai coming in, drops him, and then from there, finishes by ground. What's Sakai you know, type thing? Ultimately, what's holding me back with him is those two decision wins. Lagoy Ivanov has shown that he, he he's game. He's tough. Yeah. I mean, I know you were kind of like meh. But I mean, he did, he's also it's, a guy. I think it was who, just more the fact that it was a split decision, Ivanov which means a judge to, gave it to well, Lagoy. The thing about Ivanov is he's also been in some wars with. Um, he had that split decision with Derek Lewis, a fight that a lot of people thought he won. So he's definitely a good dude, but it was just such, like, not a very inspiring performance. And then the Arlovsky fight was even less so. Well, you think but Arlovsky I know, won? I know I'm an Arlovsky fan. But even I can admit, like, Arlovsky is not the guy that, like, if you're someone who wants to be labeled a promising up-and-comer, you don't go to a split decision with Andre Arlovsky. You likely knock him out in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I Poor love guy. my boy. He's been through it but all. He's, been th- he's just, like, over him in that way where yeah. he's been through a lot. But split decision, I was just like, man, like, that. no. And I thought he lost the fight. Yeah. I thought he did. I thought Arlovsky won that fight. And it just, and also, not a good fight. Yeah. So, that's where I'm sticking with this is, like, he's had two wins where he's looked good. The Chase Sherman fight looked real good. That's a definitely a step down, though. Um, he does come from Bellator, second biggest promotion. His only loss was against the Czech Congo by split decision. I just think Overeem is too good at this point in time. Sakai can maybe get there, but I'm going Overeem by decision. The only thing that I get a little worried about, again, Sakai brings the pressure. He's going to try and land knees, short elbows in the clinch. All seven of Overeem's losses in the UFC have been by KOTKO. So that part worries me, but again, I think he's way too experienced. And he's not just going to let Sakai hold him. He, you have seen, the cage. We have seen Overeem literally run around the cage. Remember that Stephen yeah, fight? Like, People start booing him. Yeah, he's not going to just let Sakai... I think... It's, and it's I could Overeem's be probably going to be stronger. I could be wrong, but I think Overeem's going to be faster. Yeah, I, I really think all around he's going to be the more... Again, experience is a huge factor in MMA. And, like, right here, 64 fights. Like, he's been through it all. He's seen it all. And I think he gets a uh, a big win here. A big yeah, bounce back win. I completely agree. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the breakdown here. Yeah. Overall, very excited for these fights. Um, you guys can watch them on ESPN Plus, uh, the undercard and the main card. Is this an ESPN Plus yeah, only? Yeah, it's an ESPN Plus, so uh, you will have to pay your $5 if you want to watch it. But overall, it's worth it, man. Five Again, bucks if you have like- it. These UFC's are fight nights it. that you can't sleep on. No matter if you don't know these people's names, that doesn't mean anything. They're going to put on fights most of the time. Again, there's... Good, good fights aren't made on paper. They're made in the octagon, Dom. I'm going to keep saying it. That's why you should never miss a fight. Because for all you know, you're watching the next... Champion. The next champion, or you're Superstar. just watching the next fight of the year. Yep. I but yeah, agree more. That's the breakdown. There it is, um, UFC Vegas 9. So, breaking down our next couple episodes here. Um, so, Monday, 
we're going to be doing a recap, full recap of UFC Vegas 9. Give us our, give you our thoughts on what goes down on Saturday. Any news that breaks over the weekend. And Hopefully an official news. announcement of Tony Ferguson to Sephoria. Yeah. <clears throat> but I digress. Yes. And then Wednesday, special episode time. It's They're slowly but surely becoming my favorite days. And um, this one's uh, definitely special. This was something that we considered doing for our first special yeah, episode. Yeah, we've talked about this. I remember when we were This was my talks. original idea. Like, when I originally, when we pitched doing the... The podcast as a whole. Yeah, the special video idea. This was my first idea I pitched to you for it. Yep. And we've held it back. You know, we did our top ten. We thought that might be a better idea, and I, th- I agree. And we've been holding off on doing this because it could come off maybe being a little too similar. similar. But I think you'll be surprised by how different it yeah. is in the same uh, vein. We're going to be doing our Mount Rushmore of MMA. So kind of explain to them why this is different than our top ten fighters. So when we're doing a top ten fighters of all time, it's sure you can take into account you know what they like their impact and whatnot. It's not always just about the wins and losses, but for the most part it is. You know, a guy like, you know, Demetrius Johnson is undisputably a top 10 UFC fighter of all time. Probably not a guy on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. The Mount Rushmore, to me, is four individuals. Now, this is going to be for the UFC. Or, sorry, Mount Rushmore of UFC. Yeah, okay. I was just UFC. looking at the sheet. I just yeah, wanted... sorry. I said MMA, but UFC. That, well, yeah. that could, that'd be a list and a half. <laughs> yeah. So, this is going to be the Mount Rushmore of the UFC. Right. Um... Um, And the Mount Rushmore, like, the way I see it is just the four individuals whose impact was the most integral to where we are now. Pioneers. Pioneers. In one way or another. Yeah. Like, sure, you look at the actual Mount Rushmore and you may go, who are those guys? (laughs) If you're, some people might. And some people might go like, oh, like, why are they being revered so much? Like, some of them, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Just saying. But it's it's just about like ultimately we just want it to be like without without these what is Mount Rushmore four people right yeah so without these four people would the UFC be where it is today yeah I think that's the best way to and this it. is a great opportunity for me and you to kind of talk a lot about history of the sport yes something that has been basically my whole entire pitch for this these videos was so I could. I'm a big historian of the yeah. sport, and I know you are too, and it's a time for us to really dive into that kind of stuff, so I'm very excited to talk about that, um, because I think you guys are going to be surprised when you find out that just because someone's the best fighter of all time doesn't necessarily mean that they are the most integral to the sport. 100%. As surprising as that sounds. So be on the lookout for that on Wednesday, and uh, Dom, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at dsley14. As always, our podcast Instagram. Again, you can find that in the channel art of our page or in the About Us uh, portion. Um, and again, if you just want to look us up, it's at below average Joe's underscore podcast. And usually I transition right into you. Right. I do just want to, you know, on this Friday, I just want to say I hope everyone has a great weekend to kick off the month of September. Agreed. But now, 
<laughs> Take us out, Noah. I completely agree. Viewers, have a great weekend. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. And with that, we're out. And we'll see y'all on...